You are Locked On Browns, your daily Cleveland Browns podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Regulators! Mount up! It was a clear black night, a clear white moon. Warmer G was on the streets, trying to consume some skirts for the E, so I could get some phones rolling in my ride, chilling all alone. Just hit the east side of the and welcome into another edition of the Locked On Browns podcast. My name is Jared Mueller. I will be your host. Thank you for stopping by on this Monday, November twenty eighth. Can you believe the month of November is almost over? Uh, I have to start off with um, just a little few words um, about the tragedy at Ohio State. Uh, Again, many of you know that I am a mental health professional. I am licensed with the state of Ohio uh, to provide clinical services uh, to clients, both AOD, mental health, uh, those kind of things. And so, um, unfortunately, uh, given the state of our world, um, given the state of an on-demand society, of give me, give me, give me, um, or the idea of what I like, what I want, and what I think I'm owed. And again, this is nothing political. This is just the way our society works um, right now is based on all of that, based on the idea that um, people think that they should if they can. And so, um, again, you can be talking about some stuff on the left and the right with that. Um, There are a lot of things on both sides where people think, They should because they can, or they should because they always have had. And so things like today's news honestly just don't surprise me. They sadden me for our society uh, because these kind of tragedies end up bringing up conversations that um, just don't mean anything. They're not change-oriented. They're not love-oriented. They're selfish. Conversations about race, religion, weapons... Uh, always tend to turn in a very selfish way. That doesn't mean people have selfish intentions, but generally speaking, a lot of the conversation ends up about blame. Uh, The same way that we're a very self-indulgent society, we've become a very uh, blame-oriented society. And so everybody wants to have their truth. Everybody wants to have it their way. Everybody believes that they are owed and deserve certain things. Um, you build that into people, and after a while, you you get this kind of reaction. And so, um, again, my, my thoughts and prayers uh, are with those in Columbus, uh, are with those families, are with those um, who who didn't get hurt but experienced it, because there's some, some mental health issues that can go along with that, anxiety, depression, uh, even some levels of PTSD, to the, the first responders, the police, all of those people um, who were involved um, that there is just a piece to this, but again, that again, somehow we start to use these tragedies that are that are just continual. We're going to have another one somehow, some way, um, because it's not about one individual person; it's about how the society is going. So, uh, um, and then some of you know that I'm a Christian, uh, and so for me, my prayers um, are that people come closer to God uh, through this, um, come closer to love come closer to unity. And so uh, those are just a couple quick words on on the Ohio State tragedy. So close to home for me. I got my graduate degree uh, from Ohio State, got my master's in social work there. And so, uh, and obviously I'm a proud Buckeye if you uh, follow along with me, uh, especially on Saturday. So I just wanted to spend a few words there. I know we're a sports podcast and uh, politics and religion, just like finances tend to be off 
off kind of not allowed, but uh, for me, they're a part of who I am. And um, as long as they create discussion uh, and respect, I'm all good. So moving on to the Browns. And so we come into another week. We go into our bye week with another loss for our 0-12 Cleveland Browns, a 27-13 defeat at the hands of the New York football giants. And so um, kind of in the second half, I'm going to talk a little bit about specific players, some playing time, some snaps, uh, kind of what is interesting. But I think it's good to look back at this game. We look at a 27-13 loss, and it's easy to kind of think, ooh, that, that doesn't look like we want it to look, and oh, the Browns didn't play well, and all of those kind of things. But I think the interesting thing is when you look at um, how the Giants were able to score, where they got their points, again, you're talking about 27 um, you've got a touchdown off of Isaiah Crowell's fumble that gave them the ball at the 31 yard line. So the defense didn't play bad 31 yards on a short field, uh, after forcing a punt on a three and out after, um, the Giants got the ball at the 50 yard line, the, uh, Brown or the Browns defense had to come back on the field really, really quickly. And so giving up that touchdown, not overly surprising. And then they had uh, one big drive, 69 yards, uh, where they, in four plays, uh, in 30 seconds, scored a touchdown. Probably the worst uh, play of the day for the, for, the, uh, for the New York Giants. And then you have their six-play, 73-yard um, possession with three minutes. That took three minutes late in the fourth quarter, in the middle of the fourth quarter. Um, so... The Browns' defense gave up really, I would say, 14 to 17 points. Um, They were given really bad field position uh, off the fumble, and so if they could have held them to a field goal, it would have been great. Uh, But the defense played pretty darn well. And so the Browns should have given up 17 points, 14 if there's not a fumble and they're able to hold. But that's a lot to look at. 27-13 doesn't look as bad when you see the short field that the Browns gave up and then obviously giving up uh, the fumble touchdown or the pick touchdown. However, that's really uh, kind of talked about to Jason Pierre-Paul. You don't really have as bad of a game as you expected. Uh, when you look at a score of 27-13, we look at uh, the Browns at 0-11 playing the 7-3 and Giants. The Browns were in this game. No matter what you thought, no matter what you liked, the Browns were in this game. They were in this game really um, until that sack, fumble, interception, touchdown, right? At that point in time, um, while the score still was not too far out, the Browns just really didn't have enough in them. And so, um, you know, they held the, the Giants scoreless in both the first and third quarters. They were um, in this game. They were down eight. You know, going into the fourth quarter, uh, that's when the the fumble interception, Jason Pierre-Paul uh, play happened. Then they scored on a great play by Corey Coleman, a uh, great route ran. Um, and then they gave up another touchdown late in the game to Odell Beckham Jr. And so um, not a terrible game for the Browns. Not a good game, but not a terrible game. You look at Josh McCown, who ran himself into uh, quite a few actual hits. 
um, was 25 of 43 for 322 yards, one touchdown. Obviously, you had that sack fumble return for a touchdown. Isaiah Crowell, 16 carries for only 44 yards. Duke Johnson, five carries for 14 yards. So obviously, the running game didn't play very well um, for only 58 yards total. Hugh Jackson went away from that, even when they were only down eight, kind of later in the game. Um, Terrell Pryor had another monster game, was targeted 12 times, had six receptions um, for 131 yards. Corey Coleman uh, didn't have a great game, only three receptions for 38 yards, but the the 21-yard touchdown uh, where he really turned around Janoris Jenkins, uh, made him look silly, was really impressive and should get Browns fans excited about going forward. You look over at the Giants' stats, I think the Browns have to be happy. Not, not ecstatic, but happy. Eli Manning, 15 of 27 for 194 yards. He he did have three touchdowns, two to Odell Beckham Jr., one really good throw and catch to Dwayne Harris, uh, who had just really strong hands in the back of the end zone. Uh, rushing, uh, 15 carries for Jennings for 55 yards, and Paul Perkins had nine carries for 29 yards. Overall, for a Giants team that wants to run the ball, uh, not bad. The Sterling Shepard reverse for 22 yards um, gives him a little bit of a bump to that rushing uh, total, but that's just a little bit different than kind of a standard rushing total. So all in all, the Browns lose 27-13, but I think Browns fans should at least feel some level of excitement that they were able to show this well against this good of a team. Speaking of showing up, want to show up to the big game? SeatGeek is the smartest, easiest way to find tickets for the football games you want to see up close and in person this season. There's nothing like being in the stadium for the biggest plays of the year, and with SeatGeek, it's never been easier to get the guaranteed seats you want for a great value. I have the SeatGeek app on my phone, and it's by far the easiest way I've found to shop for tickets. I mean, anywhere. With just a few taps, I can instantly find seats for this weekend. Well, not this weekend for the Browns, at least. Or any game this season, maybe even their first win. With SeatGeek, you can always get the best deal on every ticket because SeatGeek price compares for you by searching multiple ticket sites. Prices can vary depending on where you shop, but SeatGeek will always find you the lowest available price. And SeatGeek wants to help you get the most bang for your buck. That's why every ticket on SeatGeek is given a grade based on value. You'll immediately see any underpriced seats and be able to find the best deals that fit your budget. Plus, every ticket you buy on SeatGeek is backed by their 100% guarantee. So you can shop for tickets on SeatGeek with confidence. Best of all, my listeners get a $20 rebate off their first SeatGeek purchase. To get your $20 rebate on tickets, download the SeatGeek app. That's S-E-A-T-G-E-E-K. Go to the settings tab and add the promo code. Enter the promo code L-O-Browns. That's L-O-Browns for Lockdown Browns. SeatGeek will send you $20 after you made your first ticket purchase. Download the SeatGeek app and enter the promo code L-O-Browns today. So where do the Browns and where do Browns fans kind of go from here? So we're going into the bye week. Um, so that means no football for any of us this Sunday, or at least Browns football. And so um, maybe you don't live nearby. Maybe you're taking a trip, early Christmas, late Thanksgiving trip to try Seat Geek app and find some tickets or just sit in your home and watch some football and see what winning football looks like outside of the Browns. So we think, we think, again, all it is, we think that this week will be set up to see if Robert Griffin III is healthy 
and next week will be used to prepare Robert Griffin III to start. We've seen what Josh McCown is. He can put up some exciting numbers. He can be a leader of a of men kind of guy. On the other hand, he runs himself into sacks too often. He holds the ball far too long. He makes some significant mistakes at really, really important times. And just based on his age, he, we know he's not the future. And so there are days like yesterday when you look at a stat line that maybe you think Josh McCown could be helpful uh, to a contender. I think it's very possible that Josh McCown is the backup to Dak Prescott next year in Dallas. Uh, whether the Browns can get a sixth or a fifth round pick for him after the Cowboys move Tony Romo. Um, who knows? But that's just kind of my guess moving forward. Josh McCown is not a starting level quarterback, but he does provide enough that a team like the Cowboys or someone else who has a young quarterback and needs a solid veteran could use. We've also kind of seen what Cody Kessler is. And I'm not sure now with John Greco joining Joel Batonio being out all year, I'm not sure we want to continue to uh, see how far we can go in making Cody Kessler Derek Carr. David Carr. Always get those confused. David Carr, the Houston Texans quarterback, uh, who just got beat up so bad behind his offensive line he can never regain his confidence. Cody Kessler, like Josh McCown, holds the ball too long. Uh, it doesn't have the escapability to really make something happen. That leaves us with RG3, who has um, been has returned to practice. Uh, we'll now have basically two weeks um, between this game and the next game to get ready. And I think for the Browns, it's something they want to see. Hugh Jackson really uh, set into motion trying to build this offense around Robert Griffin III. And so I think starting next week uh, after the bye, we're going to see Robert Griffin III for the last four games of the season. I think there's a very big risk that Robert Griffin III could get injured. I think there might be a bigger risk that Robert Griffin III could win a couple games. That's a big risk to a team who kind of wants that number one overall pick, I think. And with teams like the Bears and the 49ers um, sitting right behind them, could put themselves in an interesting position if Griffin can win some games. Either they move themselves out of range for a quarterback and have to continue to build around Robert Griffin III but miss out on Miles Garrett, or they put themselves in a little bit of an easier position in taking a quarterback uh, because they don't have the option of the best guy in the draft, Miles Garrett. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see which direction the Browns will go and how Robert Griffin III will play. And finally, just looking uh, at yesterday's game, there are some interesting stats. Um, so as a part of uh, the NFL media, uh, I have access to kind of the game book, looking at who played, how much, how many percent of the snaps, all that kind of stuff. So if you wonder where many people get that, it, it's from this. Uh, that all the media members have access to. And so um, just interesting as we look, uh, Corey Coleman and Terrell Pryor played pretty much equal amount of snaps. Pryor, 65. Coleman had one more snap than him. Um, Barnage only played in 76%, so 57 snaps. So uh, Telfair got 26. Seth the Valve got 20. And so we're starting to see um, at the tight end position a few more snaps uh, for DeValve. Telfair really is in there as a blocker, something that both Barnage and DeValve struggle mightily with. We can hope DeValve can develop that. He was a wide receiver in college. But when you see people starting to mock tight ends to the Browns, it's not because of DeValve um, or even Barnage or Telfair. It's because 
they don't have a, a dual threat guy who can block in the run game, but also uh, make plays in the vertical passing game, um, a la uh, some of the other kind of big time tight ends like Tyler Eifert in Cincinnati, Gronk, uh, Martellus Bennett, Jimmy Graham, any of those kind of guys who can block as well as obviously make a lot of plays in the passing game. The Browns don't have that, but it's interesting to see DeValve uh, get some snaps, get some balls thrown his way late in the game. And the other one is uh, Rashard Higgins. So Hollywood Higgins also got 20 snaps uh, at wide receiver uh, compared to uh, Andrew Hawkins, who got 30. And so, again, we're not seeing a ton of Higgins still, um, but I think we've seen enough to know he has some real upside. And so if you look at Pryor, Coleman, Higgins, you're looking at three receivers who at some level have shown themselves to have um, different levels of talent. And given their draft position and all of that, I think they're they're all kind of fitting into their expectations. Obviously not Pryor, who is uh, far better uh, than um, an, a guy just kind of signed off the street. Um, but still, he was a high comp- compensatory pick um, in uh, by the Oakland Raiders as a quarterback. Uh, then obviously Coleman's a first round pick broke Janoris Jenkins ankles basically on his touchdown. And then you have Rashard Higgins, a late round pick uh, who's starting to really show a little bit. And so on the offense, um, that's interesting to me is kind of looking at some of the young guys and how they're getting reps um, with Greco now out for the season. So that's official. John Greco is out for the season uh, to join Joel Batonio. It'll be interesting to see how Jackson and the rest of the offensive staff decides to adjust the offensive line. To me, the best idea, obviously leave Joe Thomas at left tackle. Spencer Drango hasn't looked terrible at left guard, which really is saying something for a guy who I thought was too stiff uh, to really play um, really any snaps early in his career. Um, And then obviously you got to keep Cam Irving in the middle of the line, whether you want to or not. At this point, we really don't have a backup center who we could feel comfortable with. And then I would not play Alvin Bailey. I understand why they did, because he had reps at guard. But with two weeks to prep, the, my offensive line moving forward would be uh, Austin Pastor moving in at right guard. I think he plays better there. He's not as good in space, doesn't have as long of arms, but can be kind of a rogue grading uh, blocker at guard. And then I would bring in rookie Sean Coleman at right tackle. I think they've been preparing him for that position. Um, but I'm not sure he, he's totally ready yet. Coming off of his injury, coming off of uh, coming out of an Auburn offense uh, that has really weird uh, offensive sets for their lines, um, I think they've really had to retrain him a lot. But I think now's the time. With four games left, uh, bringing Robert Griffin the third in, I think Pastor could be a very good right tack or right guard. I mean that. Um, doesn't mean he's going to be John Greco level, but I think he could be a very good right guard. I don't know anything about Coleman, but I know the Browns believe in him and believe he can be a tackle in the future. And so if we're looking forward to next year, even if they want to move on from Irving, move Greco to center, Pastor at right guard, Coleman at right tackle. You have Joel Batonio and Joe Thomas on the left side. I think you actually have something there. And then on the defensive side of the ball, just some interesting uh, kind of stats. Uh, Ed Reynolds, Christian Kirksey, Joe Hayden, Jamar Taylor, and Jamie Collins played every single snap on defense, all 56 of them. Derek Kindred uh, played 54. Agba played 49. 
Nasib played 47. Body Calhoun, who um, seemed to make some very good plays, not perfect, played 45. And then the man beast in the middle, uh, Danny Sheldon, played 36, so uh, 64%. So, um, and then you just look at some other guys not really making impacts um, based on numbers. Steven Paella really hasn't done much as someone signed. Xavier Cooper, um, uh, he, he and Paella, 21 and 20 snaps. Uh, Cooper is someone we thought was going to uh, be able to play pretty well for the Browns. Hasn't really shown it. Uh, has been outplayed uh, pretty strongly by Jamie Meter. Uh, but then you have Corey Lemonier, who has been inactive for most of the year, uh, who actually came out and played pretty well, made some big plays uh, in only 20 or uh, only 11 snaps. So just some interesting numbers there as we look forward. Um, Burley only had four snaps, got beat deep on one. And then Demario Davis, the linebacker who was uh, one of their few free agents, um, only got nine snaps. And so uh, the Giants like to run three wide receivers out there. So it makes sense. Uh, but Davis is really getting kind of phased out uh, with the addition of Jamie Collins, Christian Kirksey playing really well, all of those kind of things. And so all in all, yesterday's game, I'd give the Browns a solid C minus. The defense played far better than we've seen. And the offense showed some sp- Spurts. Unfortunately, Josh McCown and the injury to John Greco really put the kibosh on any of that. I think Robert Griffin III could be the difference between an 0-16 Browns team drafting number one overall and a 2-14, 3-13 Browns team drafting somewhere in the top five. While that doesn't seem extreme, the Browns have not had the number one overall pick. Uh, since their first two years of their return, they haven't had the option for their quarterback in that long or the best player in the draft. So I think Robert Griffin III could put kind of a, a problem into Browns fans who are just dependent on either Miles Garrett or a quarterback at number one. What will the Browns do at number three, four, five, or six? A lot of that depends on what happens above them. Thank you again for stopping into this Locked On Browns podcast. Again, my name is Jared Mueller. You can get a hold of me on Twitter. That's at Jared K. Mueller, J-A-R-E-D-K-M-U-E-L-L-E-R. Thank you for stopping by. Prayers and thoughts to Ohio State and just in general the world, especially our young people uh, growing up right now. And finally, go Browns. You are Locked On Browns. Your daily Cleveland Browns podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.